Welcome back to Ugly Girls Club, a podcast for black women by black women. Last week, we spoke to Kanya Bonani about tokenism using the great hip-hop beefs of Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown, also Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. I hope you enjoyed our own personal experiences with tokenism. And also, we spoke about the diversity hire. And if you did not listen, please go back and listen. I'm sure you will enjoy it and learn so much, as much as I have. This week, I thought it would be great to talk about mental health and how it affects us all. In America, it's Mental Health Month. So I thought it'd be really great to give a nod to mental health this week um, for this week's episode. It said one person can experience mental health at least once in their lives. And most people do not go and seek out uh, for any kind of help. So this week for our topic uh, with mental health, uh, I have a guest, a dear friend of mine, Wule Ram Tomboti. How are you doing, Wule? I'm good. How are you doing, Nico? I'm good, darling. I'm good. Yes, How are you coping during this COVID time? Um, uh, I think I'm okay. Um, I've gone back to work since it's level four now. So I miss like my lazy days because that was very fun to have. But I'm coping okay. I think I've gotten into a bit of a routine-ish, which means like, you know, you wake up, get showered, go to work, come back, you know, same old, same old. It's now become like such a new normal. It doesn't seem so horrible, but you know, you do miss the outside. So that's the only thing. Other than that, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And then with level four, going back to work, aren't you a little paranoid? I think like, obviously I'm always paranoid because I I have anxiety, but like, I think we have, there's like a, a high level of paranoia anyway with the situation because like you really could get this virus from anywhere, especially living in a metropolitan area. Is that what we call it? Joe Book's a metropolitan area, right? (laughs) Uh, A metro. Yes, it's a metro. I'm right. Yes. So, um, uh, so living in like uh, an area like this, Joe Book Valley has a lot of, um, a lot of cases. And also like by where I work, one of the disc camps got closed because uh, one of the pharmacists contracted the, the disease. So, I mean, it's very close to home. So I'm, very much paranoid but like there's only so much you can do you gotta wash your hands sanitize like a freak um do do um what wash your hands wear masks you know all the all the stuff that you have to do just be cautious of where what you're touching and not touching your face you know so and anyway when i'm at work i wear a mask the whole time so i'm trying my best to be as clean as possible mm, because I, I can imagine the paranoia here please introduce yourself to the listeners what make who are you what makes so me Bulelo, i am a young woman young black woman living in south africa i'm kidding uh i am i am 
I'm a young black woman living in South Africa. I am socially conscious, I would like to think. Uh, I work as an au pair. I am currently about to finish my degree um, in, what is it, Bachelor of Arts, regular, degulish, regular, you know, the, the stuff they don't respect. Um, uh, and I am an aspiring writer. Um, it, I have a lot of, like, there's a lot of internal struggle about that. I've been thinking of of quitting rather or not just doing it anymore. But, like, that has a lot to do with what we're going to discuss anyway. So that's for later. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a socially conscious person. I'm very into politics and uh, current affairs. I really love, I'm into art. I love music a lot. Um, I love speaking about music. I love talking about, um, like, TV stuff. So I'm very into, like, fictional works of art, like novels and, and TV shows very much. So I think I'm into all of that stuff and that is what I want to do with my life. You know, so yeah, I think art makes me tick. Writing stories, telling stories, being around people. Um, yeah, that's what makes me tick. Okay, cool. If you could give us uh, a short rundown of your upbringing, parents, school, friends, what was that like? Um, I think I had a, a like a normal-ish upbringing for a South African child. You know, my parents uh, broke up when I was quite young. I don't actually remember them as an adult being like proper property. Not as an adult, I mean as a kid even being like proper together. You know, like when you're like like cognizant, like maybe like past six. I think they broke up before that. Um and then my mom moved to Saudi Arabia when I was about seven, I think. And she worked overseas. And then I had to move to the East End in this place called Nigel, a small town, small town girl. I was like a small town girl for a bit, you know. Um, uh, can you still hear me? Okay, um, and then I moved to Nigel and I lived with my aunt and my uncle for about like four or five years. And then I came back to Joburg and I stayed a bit with my brother and my cousin. Um, yeah, and then my mom came back when I was in high school, like completely. And then I stayed in Soweto for a bit. But also I lived in Soweto even before. Uh, when I went to Crash, I lived in Soweto in Deep Roof. And it was a great time when my grand was still alive. Yeah, my upbringing, that's about it. And then I went to high school. I actually moved around. I went to quite a lot of schools when I was in primary, actually, like maybe about three or four different schools, actually. And it's weird because like primary school is like seven years, but like how do you go to four schools in seven years? That's a lot. But yeah, that's about it. What else do you want to know? Also, my, my childhood was pretty normal because like I say my parents broke up and I didn't really know my dad a lot and I think that that contributed a lot to my issues because I think I was searching for a lot from him that I didn't particularly get from a young age and it like fueled the need for it the older I got and I kind of like started coping in different ways because I didn't get what I completely needed from that avenue um 
I don't know. Yeah, that's about it. My childhood was pretty normal and pretty okay. Like I was the smart kid, I guess. I I kind of like flew past school. Not flew past, but like it was kind of easy-ish in the beginning. And then I got to varsity and then I was like, oh. <laughs> it was like, what's it? CD scratch. And then since, you know, we're talking about mental health this week on the mm-hmm. show, before you were diagnosed, before you were even aware about your own issues, what were your thoughts around mental health? I think I was like, it was very, it was very like surface level, obviously, and like far removed from like my own space, you know, like I didn't, I mean, I knew someone uh, who was mentally ill, like one of my cousins was diagnosed with bipolar. And then I know my mom told me of one of her uncles who one day smoked weed apparently and became like, um, he got psychosis. I don't know if that's the right term to use, but he became like, he lost his mind because of the weed apparently, you know. Apparently that that happens to people. Um, But it wasn't very like a... Before my cousin, that happened to my cousin. Because I was quite... I was like already 19 when that happened to her. So I was like already like older person. But before that, I think it was very far removed. Like the ideas of people who had mental illness was always like the very um, exaggerated version that you see on TV. Like someone who is like incoherent you know speaks to himself or themselves who is not really like in the space that everyone else is in like in their own world type of thing like the people you see like homeless people that you see on the side of the street who are you know like things like that I always thought that it was very far removed because also the ways that in in which we were exposed to mental illness was always so exaggerated and so so like out of this world that it had to be like a performance or not even a problem let me not say a performance it's very crass but like it always had to be like um you always had it had to be like the worst case scenario you know like you had it, it was like something you had to do to get to that point you know like for example my uncle my mom's uncle who she said he smoked weed and then he he became psychotic like it's always like a result of something or you take a drug and then you know stuff like that so it was always like a very far removed like a, a distant reality like a reality that existed valid because if you live in the hood there's a lot of people that are like that also in Johannesburg there's a lot of homeless people who you see on the side of the road and stuff like that so very distant reality for me it wasn't something that was so close to home until obviously until my cousin suffer from bipolar and then I read about about it a bit and I was like oh and obviously we had to be understanding I was actually very understanding and compassionate because at the time like she was going through a lot of things her father had just died and she was in a very like it was a very tumultuous time in her life so I could understand why she went through that and obviously like I read into it and I was I was more cognizant of the fact that like you know, things like that can happen. But also, again, I felt like it had to be spurred on by something, you know, by like a deep struggle. Like for her, for her, in, for instance, her situation was her um, suffering a loss. And that led to her trying to end her life. And then they found out that she actually had this disease. Again, when they spoke to her, they realized. And actually, like for whole, all her life, actually, the very, very 
a, a great point also is that they used to say that we used to always say unama moods right because for all her life she used to have like these ups and downs like she'd be very happy and but she's a very introverted person really anyway but like once she knows you she's like out here and like a bit you know like how when you know someone really you're like into them and you know she's like she had like a great personality once you get to know her but like she was an introverted person so it wasn't like such a big leap you know when she was down but then you would realize it if you knew her you'd know like i now she's not okay like she'd be curt and be very like not trying to speak not any of that and the older she got it became worse and people would be like like as she was growing up it was told, they'd always say like ah oh, maybe it's like puberty type of stuff you know when you're going through puberty and your hormones are just like all over the place and then like up and yeah so then she'd have like times when she'd be like good and then she'd be very down and then good and then down but as she grew older actually i noticed because we sh- we shared a bedroom that she would be like very like the times where she was sad were like started to become longer like longer and longer because also also because life happened and stuff and like that but that was a, I, actually that was a great point like the people would say like unama moods she's just so moody can't she had bipolar the whole time you know which is also it's a mood disorder so yeah so before I, before i found out about my issues i knew about hers and i was very compassionate to that and i was always like encouraging her to go to the the doctor and stuff yeah so so i was even i was very i think i was quite ignorant though also to be honest when i think about it i feel like as much as i i didn't know i really didn't think that it could happen to me because i feel like i was very self sufficient for like all my life and i think i was a bit judgy a bit maybe not so much i was trying to be compassionate but i think i was very much on some like it happened to them it couldn't happen to me mm-hmm. so before when you were younger with your parents and with your parents split you going to Nigel like you know different primary schools were you ever given a chance to go to therapy to speak through all of this no i never actually went i've never been to therapy i never went to therapy as a kid ever i don't ever remember that and i don't actually remember anyone actually like talking to me about my feelings but there's a lot of things that i don't remember about my childhood which could be um uh it could be a consequence of like trauma that i probably have suffered because that's like a real thing you know people have like um what do you call them um those memories that you suppressed right suppressed memories so i don't remember going to therapy i don't remember speaking about my feelings in a way where like they were like dealt with like in a way where someone was particularly saying to me directly like yo how do you feel about x y and z right it was you have to go here and then i have to go here and i will i will be with you and like it's so it's very it's very um funny that you asked that question because my mom and i like a lot of the times my mom pieces together like some of the things that i did when i was a kid and what kind of person i was because i don't remember i don't have like memories of myself before i was like 5 which is i think also my therapist says that it's a very it's like a mm, <laughs> what do you call it can i say a red flag about myself it's a red flag it's a woo 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 so um she so she told me that like after she left 
um, I, I never spoke to her like on the phone. I never, I was, I was always like a very jolly child. You know me, I'm like, I always talk, I'm like very talkative. I was worse when I was a child. Apparently I was like miss everything. I needed to be in on every conversation. And my mom actually used to call me Madam Fifi. So I literally, I was, I had like a big personality, right? So, um, so she said to me when, after she left, when I was in Nigel, she used to call me and for like six months, I was unresponsive. I would just be like, hi, how are you? Goodbye. Like, I wouldn't speak to her. I wasn't, I wasn't about that. So clearly I was very upset and she, and obviously her heart was broken. And I think my mom, as older, as the older she goes, she grows, like she's learning how to be more expressive, but she's not that kind of person. Like she rarely ever cries. Like she only cries when she's watching like movies and stuff. And that's a very superficial cry. But like, even when she cries, like when people die and stuff, she like cries in the moment and then it's over then after that it's she's done. Yeah, yeah then she's done and she's like because that's the kind of person she is and she's always just trying to take care of other people she internalizes so much other people's pain that she feels like she has to be like the warrior she feels like she has to be like that great wall protecting other people from like like protecting other people not not even like but protecting other people and letting everyone else break down but she has to be like you know, the structure. The yeah, she's internalizes that a lot. Even like when we when when my brother and I go through stuff, she's so she's so dramatic. She'll be like, Why is this happening to me? <laughs> and it's yeah. like it's like, okay, relax, queen. It's not happening to you, but it's like because she's like very hypersensitive to it, like it feels like it's happening to her. And that is also a bit like mm, because you have to give yourself the room to understand that sometimes people's mistakes, even if they are your kids, like are not your mistakes particularly. You know what I'm saying? But just to go back to um, access to therapy when you were younger, um, for me, I know my my relationship with therapy for a very long time was a very unhealthy one mm-hmm. um, because the only time I ever went to therapy it was like when my mom and I were having like communication breakdown issues. And then instead of her speaking with me, it would mm. be like, just go to a therapist and go sort yourself out. You know, even when um, I had an eating disorder, it was like, and I mean, I think also with that one, I think she just doesn't know. Like eating disorders on things that happen in black families. Like this is a new phenomena mm. because now we are integrated in societies that aren't part of ours really. Um, so like I would always be like shipped to the therapist to go sort out myself. So I've never had a good relationship with therapy at all. Mm. Um, and then one of the questions I was, I was going to ask you was, um, did your parents even go to therapy themselves? Because I know me being shipped off to therapy, my mom didn't go to therapy like at all. So it mm. was, it felt very like lopsided that I'm Why? doing the work. Like I'm forced to do the work and you not doing anything on the side. So mm. what was the point? Like, why are we even doing this? Mm. Mm. Do you mind sharing with the audience, our listeners, your own personal story um, of the straw that broke the camel's back and all the 
uh, when they say when you talk about girls it's like little mustard seeds to like the big mustard seed um all of those seeds um that were planted in you um before you even had the major breakdown so i mean i think i think i mean like i was saying to you the other day like i feel like a lot of the times when i when i when i read i, I have like realization moments i have like Kylie Jenner moments <laughs> and i'd be like whoa that seems like something that has happened a long time so i think um i've always been insecure about something in my life you know but i've never been insecure about like um school and shit like that like like i said i think i said said earlier that like I was always kind of self-sufficient and I was always like okay with being I I I I was made I was pushed I guess like my circumstances led me to be okay with my own company like I was I I was okay with being alone from like a very young age I used to like talk to plants even like I'd make up like whole like scenarios in my own mind you know because i didn't have any mm. other kid to be around with at a time like there was a time when my mom and my dad were not together and she was living in soweto and i was living in randburg because that's where school was so i was living with my dad and my dad is not a very like um affectionate person you know like he's very closed off so it wasn't like i could be like hey can we go play he was just always reading the newspaper so imagine like it's a saturday afternoon and there's nothing fast to do i've just bathed i've I've ate, I've done everything that I had to do and I have nothing else to do but like play, right? So I just go outside and just talk. And then I even got into like super into reading at the time because he had like the coolest like I don't know, I think he's a bit of a hoarder, I don't know. There was like um in this house that we lived in there was like quote unquote because these houses Pella were belonged to white people. Quote unquote maids quarters, right? um in the house and so oh, okay. yeah the helpers outside yes the helpers house mm-hmm. right so um so he had like a whole collection of like newspapers like financial times sunday times all of them like like just newspapers and magazines and all of that oh my god that's actually where i started reading readers digest Yes, girl. So I was like reading a lot of that stuff, but I didn't even understand it because I was like six or whatever. So I didn't even know what was happening there, right? So I mean, so I had to like find ways to stimulate myself or even whatever. So I was okay with my own company for a long time, and that even led to me like everything I ever done, I've ever done as a kid, even projects, everything. I've always done everything by myself. So I've never actually ever asked anyone for help. with anything. And I think I think like the adults around me thought that that was such a great independent trait but they didn't actually realize that that's not a cool thing. Like kids are supposed to understand that they need help because like later on in my life the 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 insistence on always doing things by myself literally like broke me because there's only so much you can do by yourself. Like it really does take a fucking village. Like you can't do anything on your own. Yes. in this world especially also in our culture like as black people we know like even the fact that like my aunt, my aunt and my uncle were able to take care of me for like like over a period of like 5 years while my mom was overseas working right so mm. and i think also the fact that my parents the fact that my father the way he was and the fact that my mom wasn't around 
also led to me being such a self-sufficient person as well right so then anyway so then I, I leave I go so that's me going through um primary school high school same way like just making up shit in my head all the time like finding ways and then like obviously like as a teenager like books really became like a really big part of my life like there was a point when i had only like literally like one friend you know literally one friend like a real person mm-hmm. was one friend other people were just like acquaintances and then oh no actually i had like three-ish friends yeah okay but the one girl was that's like really yeah that's a lot of friends right like even now i only have like less than five and I think it's okay now as an adult, it's like, mm, it's fine. But like you need different, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, you do. You do need different people in life. Anyway, so I had like the one best friend and then we broke up and I was really like devastated by that. Like I was really like, it was like one of my first heartbreaks. It was so, it was so weird. Like when I started getting new friends, when I met, that's when I met Honze. And that was like, it was actually great that I had the heartbreak with the other girl because like I would have never had like such a great relationship with Honze. Like we had the bestest bestest friendship because like at the time we were both like in such outlying spaces with friends in our lives like she was also like going through this place where she was just like i don't like these girls and she's like she always makes me feel and and like her friendship also like lifted my confidence up so much because she was like to me you're so amazing like don't people tell you that you're amazing and i was like girl what i don't even know what you're talking about but i was just literally just being myself and at the time i had like no confidence like i tell you like i was always insecure about something so at that time i thought i was ugly so i was just like ah oh. and yeah. you know like you know and i wasn't popular valid because how would i ever be popular i wear glasses and i read i had a book in my blazer pocket all the time and like we had like this cute uniform where your socks had to be up and my socks were always down like i was really really like so embarrassing now that i'm like covering my face because i'm like yes i really was i was like the goofy girl i was i guess being shot you know like when i laugh but actually when i laugh really hard i snort like a pig so that that makes up for it so i was really like goofy i was pepper and yeah and i really didn't care because i wasn't I, w- I had made peace with the fact that I would never be like the pretty girl or the whatever. I was like, I'll be the smart girl. Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll be the smart girl, TM. Anyway, so then I met Khonsi and it was amazing. And she really like lifted up my confidence. And But at, even at the time, she really saw that I was just not like, I was not into myself. Like I didn't know so greatly about myself. And she was like, uh, but she said like when she met me, she was like, oh, she's so great and I can't not be her friend. Anyway, so then we go through high school and then homegirl gets, and then I I took a gap year because that was what I had wanted to do well anyway. And then my plans for the year literally went fast because I didn't have a a driver's license. So I wanted to go um, to America and au pair there. But it didn't happen mm-hmm. the way it should have. And so the next year I had to go. And then I, I got a job at a, as a bank teller. And then the next year I had to go to university. So I got to university and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is where I want to be. I want to be... Um, like it was the perfect place for someone like me, right? Like I loved books and it was everyone there loved books. But they were also like so cool. So I was like, oh, then this is like the place like where I would be amazing. This is the place where I belong, right? Like... And then I was like out here with the fashion, you know, your girl, I was already buying like the secondhand clothes. So I really thought that I was like out here for real. Like I was like, you know, what do they call them? The, I was very kitsch. It was, it was like kitsch. No, I was yes. like, I was like the 
hippie-ish. That's what everyone used to say, like, hippie-ish. But I really don't think I was hippie-ish. I was wearing all stars all the time. Like, I just looked cute. Anyway, so it was like, okay, you know, this was the place where I needed to be. But then, so I didn't feel, I didn't feel insecure about a lot of things then until I started, like, doing schoolwork and stuff. And then, um... And then there was like a time when I had like a really like there was like the first time when I had a panic attack, I had like a politics essay to do. It was due at like 9 a.m. And then I had a politics test that was also due at 9 a.m. And remember the time the politics test was like what? 500 to 1,000 words, right? Yes, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of words, lot. right? Yeah, and, and it was like reading. You'd have to read like three articles. And then the, 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 um, the essay you have to read like five right so imagine like who's gonna read eight articles and at that time i'm like this is where i need to be i need to be getting a's and shit like that like i had like pressurized myself so much again because i needed to get the validation from my father oh yes i even forgot to tell the part where because he took me it was such a, a great moment when i got into all the schools that i wanted to get into like he was like supporting me at the time talking about giving me money for registration and everything before i got into before i chose Rose because i got into all of the schools that i wanted to get into right so he was just like wow she's so clever she's i thought that i was like oh my god he's giving me attention now and it was probably because i was doing well at school which also cemented in my brain was like okay clearly i have to do really well at school for me to get the attention that i've always wanted and i mean it's not it's not registering the way that you want it but subconsciously you do you you realize that you're doing things for that right yes, for the for yeah. the the acceptance right i'm like oh my god like the abandonment steps we're like taking a few steps back from abandonment and we're getting into acceptance like hello give me some more sir that's what i want Uh uh-uh so then i need some more of that like it was like serotonin it was like injected into my veins like my father loves me oh my god it's so amazing wow Mm. and it's probably because like i think a lot of the feelings from childhood um grow like walk with us um mm. as we grow um yes. and then we have that validation at Finally. any time mm. yes like, that must be like whoa like euphoria yes euphoria it was very euphoric right yeah so then he even like he even drove me down to Grahamstown. like this is like a lot of shit that he was doing that he didn't do that much you know like in when i was in high school i probably only visited him like twice you know, and that was like, the, and that's like a whole five years. That's crazy. That's twice. So like, that's like five years and you, like, you saw him twice. Yeah. You know, for two, two, two holidays, you know, and those were usually like the September one or even, or the April one. And those are the short months, you know, the short ones. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like a lot. So it was like very much like, oh my God, I'm, I'm reaching this pinnacle that I always wanted to. And it's like, oh my God. Yay. Anyway, so then he goes, so then he took me to Grahamstown and stuff. So clearly now I'm at this place and I'm like, oh my God, I have to do really well. And my father like works, he does a lot of like, he's like a journalist, obviously. So he does a lot of like, he knows about politics and shit like that. And he does opinion pieces and shit like that. So he's like out out here, you know, he's, his proper out here. And I was like, oh my God, that's awful. You know, that that's, oh, I'm not awful. That's amazing now. Now I'm finally getting the validation. So I was like, I was in this crossroads like, oh, why did I leave it for the last minute? Because that's who I am. I get, again, like the things came easy to me, like school and stuff. But I didn't realize actually like how much of a difference 
like school school is to university like the jump was like it was very fast for me right and mm. so and i mean it wasn't like i wasn't understanding the shit it was just very like dense it was like a lot of information mm-hmm. that you had to because just a lot of information a lot of information to, to take in and to also and, and also yeah. to put into your and it, it and understand right it takes a while for you to to get to a point where you could do that all at once in 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 a day not even in a day in like five hours you know it takes quite a lot of practice yeah. for you to get to that point right so it was like a lot of it was i was daunted and i had a panic attack and i called my mom and i'm like yo girl i don't know what to do this is so hard for me it's fucked up like i don't know what i'm gonna do and my mom is like read me the question and she's like ah oh, really you know these things it's not hard and i was like girl do you know i have to read like five articles and even you know with politics it's so hard sometimes to skim the article right especially i mean you've been to the lectures but we don't always cover every article that we do even in the tats like you literally have to read it yourself so if you haven't done that like you're fucked you know so i was proper fucked yeah i'm behind so i was proper fucked at the time and i was just like yo girl i didn't read these things and i'm like it's like last minute she's like why did you leave it for last minute and i'm like this is not the time to for us to be talking about that so yeah, it made it worse right it made it worse but then was it politics though i think the politics was the time no the first panic attack was history yeah but then i actually did do the i i did it i she said to me like she said you must just breathe and she was like breathe 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 whatever and then she said like this is a lot you're calling me i'm all the way in joburg what am i gonna do and i was like i just just let me just do this so then i, I did the breathing and i was cool so then with the politics one was the one where i had like a really really hard heart it was proper panic panic attack where i couldn't even do i was very very like i was in a state and it was like a lot and i was i was really really crying it was like yo i was i was not okay and so i I think I went to the doctor for that one. I managed to do the essay, but I didn't go to the tat because I was like I can't do it. My mom was just like you need to go to the doctor so I got a doctor's note. And everything. Yeah, I get a doctor's note. Yeah, I got a doctor's note and the doctor was like oh you had a panic attack and I was like yeah. But even the doctors there they were like I think they saw this a lot. Maybe they thought we were like we were making shit up and maybe because also lying, lying. and also because yes. we're black, you know. These white people don't ever believe yes. us for anything. They don't believe. Yeah, there's no way that we could ever have pain. You know, actually, like, there's also white people also believe that black people can't suffer from mental illness. Of course, I feel like white people think we can't suffer in general because our whole life. Yeah, because we're so yeah. How? What you mean? You are suffering. <laughs> you know. Like how dare you suffer, nigga? <laughs> <laughs> so this nigger was like, so I go to the thing in and I and I and I, I take it same day. I take it when I when I took the S and I was like, I can't, I couldn't come to the tag because it wasn't, I was, it was not happening for me. And then, uh, and then um, they told me, and then I, 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 and my, my, what's the the Judy lady, Judy. The lady that like your res lady, what's next? What do you oh, call them? The again? the warden, the house warden. The warden, yes, the warden. Yeah, so I spoke to Judy and Judy and and everyone, and they said I should go to um the counseling center. So I went to the counseling center, and the lady at the counseling center was like, "Yeah, you need to try. You need to whatever this white girl." And I don't even think she was like actually like mm-hmm. taking into account like what exactly I was saying. Yeah. You know, 
So that was first year and I had gone through these things and my mom knew that I went through these things. So she organized for me to go to a therapist, um, a black lady, by close by where we, we live, right? So, so this is like how I say like how, I don't know how when I was describing what I was describing, someone who knows these things wouldn't have said, oh, maybe you're depressed, you know? Because yeah. I even asked this, this girl from the counseling center, I said, do you think that I'm depressed? Because it was like finally time for me to be like, you know, honing in on the shit, like, because I literally, and I was like, do you think I'm depressed? And she was like, it doesn't sound like you're depressed, but it actually sounded like I was anxious. But then I ended up being like, you know, very closed off like i would be so sad sometimes like it wasn't even just that one time I and mean, that was the time when i had a really bad panic attack but there would be times when i would just like stay in my room because i would it was so hard for me to even go to a tub you know sometimes they give you like you can miss how many tats until yeah. you lose your dp so sometimes i'd like sit in my room and i'd be like so like like down because i wasn't able to do the shit and like i hate how because i started smoking weed later on like everyone would be like is it the weed and it wasn't the weed brah it wasn't the weed i really wish it was the weed because then i could have known like you know when i say like you know i could have known like okay let me eliminate this because clearly it's this no like it happened yeah it happened before that i had put an immense amount of pressure on myself because I wanted to impress this man that really didn't even give two shits about me if I'm being so honest. Like I don't I don't understand how how you know like a lot of the times like on Twitter we'd be talking about how like these deadbeat dads and like people would be like, how is it that someone can just have a child and just forget them? And like you'd be like in your head, you think about it and you're like, how? I I would never be able to forget a kid. That's why I'm like, I don't want one. I know for a fact that I don't want one. Even giving one up would be so hard because you'd be like, whoa, that is a whole me somewhere there. Like floating. You don't, in the world, you don't even know how they are. So how do you not call your child every single day? You know what I'm saying? Just to go back to um, the therapist you went to during the holidays after first year. What was that experience mm. like? Because since she was a black lady. Yeah, I mean, she was very compassionate and she was like very like nice to me and stuff. But like some of her messaging was very off because it really didn't like it was it was just. who it was like a lot, you know, like all these people really had were privy to like so many of the things that I was saying. And, and I don't think that I was not. I don't think I was inarticulate to say like I'm petrified of doing an assignment. Like how how can you know what I'm saying? Like as a professional, I would have actually like appreciated if some, one of them had actually said maybe you should see a psychiatrist. You know, so I wish one of them had said maybe you should see a psychiatrist. Maybe it's like a therapist. Yes, you can talk to a therapist, but maybe you should see a psychiatrist so you can find out if you actually have a mental illness or not because really like i feel like therapy is is beneficial to anyone you don't actually have to be suffering from mental health because we all go through traumas and we all go through like hard stuff in life like therapy is a great way for you to 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 find and decompartmentalize issues that you have to like and and see like where and why and all of that shit you know so anyway this lady like she was just like also like the other one on some tangent on some like just keep on going you know like that whole like and i also think that maybe it is because black woman vibes like 
as a black girl like and because I, and because there's seemingly there's nothing like wrong with my life right my life seems to be okay i i speak well quote unquote yeah. i i my mom is capable of taking care of me i have this father who can pay my school fees you know i'm okay i i'm on the right path you know shit like that right so i think maybe like they really didn't realize like how how deep the issues are the issues aren't about like struggling as you know a person it's literally just about like inside issues like shit that has bothered me since i was a child not just in jayabuti something happened i someone like hurt my heart whatever anyway so so the the black lady i went to her and she was like cool 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 and she was nice and stuff and then she said to me like she was being so classist and i also like fit into the classism at the time because i was just not as conscious as i should have been but i also think like you know also like our wokisms we start off in a place of like wanting to be part of the table until you you realize that the table has to be fucking dismantled yeah yeah so yeah that the t- the table is the devil the table is the problem yeah so so um 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 so this lady says to me like you know and at the time all of my friends were doing the same degree we were all like on the same trajectory in a way you know the only difference was like Lelete was the only one who wanted to be in radio and i hadn't met you yet again mm. like as a friend so like we were all on the same like kind of path and she was like you and all your friends you guys want to be journalists and stuff and she's like yeah and she's like okay so then imagine like one day that you don't graduate and something happens that you have to like now work as a cleaner mm-hmm. Right, the layers, eh? Right, so you have to work as a cleaner and and homegirl now. Me horrified because of you know course, like at the time shocked you into like yay, stop being spoiled. Yeah, your like work. Yes, stop being spoiled. Yeah, that was like kind of like the, the the narrative, right? And she said so you were a cleaner and. Then one of your friends are at at Bara. Let's say you're a cleaner at Bara, and then one of your friends are doing a story there, and it was kind of like a scared straight story, you know, like how when in America they take the kids to the prison, yes, and they'd be like, "This is gonna be your life if you don't if you don't straighten up." Yeah, she was trying to scare scare me straight, and she was like, "Yeah," and if you had um, your friends. You want to, and you see one of your friends. Wouldn't you be embarrassed? Then I was in my head. Then I said, because I always have an answer. I said, well, if that person is my friend, why would I be embarrassed? They would know that I work at. But then she's like, no, let's take away the logic, Vela, because this is illogical. So let's take away the logic, and let's just say that for for instance, like you you had you you had your friends you dropped out and you know things one thing led to another and then these people these people didn't know that you were at that point like wouldn't you be embarrassed and I was like I mean if you put it like that if that's the kind of person I am I would obviously be embarrassed and that stuck with me for the longest time and I was like oh my god this is frustrating me because like what the fuck you know mm-hmm. wtf am i really in this place where i'm supposed to now it's either i am a cleaner or i graduate like the like so far removed that like the two disparity the vast disparity yes mm-hmm. of consequences that could happen of, of of like um outcomes in my life that could happen i was like oh my god right mm-hmm. but that still didn't do anything and i i had like three sessions with her 
and and I did feel better because I think I think I was supposed to feel better. I felt like I was supposed to feel better because I too was not thinking that this is like an issue. And she said, maybe you're just going through a stage where you're just like um you're just like not confident or you just have to find yourself and like you just have to work harder, you know? Maybe start sooner. All of those things. I and then I went back and I did start sooner, but I was still I was still frozen like I couldn't type like the one thing that I always enjoyed to do writing literally became like such a nightmare for me because I was like yeah like what the fuck why why is this happening to me right like I would literally just be sitting in front of the computer like nah I I can't you know and even when you do start you'll have like that one paragraph and I'd read it and I'd immediately delete it because I'd be like this is not good enough this is not this is not the level that we need for us to get what we want. Yeah. I was so obsessed with it that I didn't even realize that I was obsessed with impressing my father. I really didn't know it until a few years later when I had left Rhodes even. So then I went to... Oh, so then it's now second year. So homegirl said to me, just start sooner. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's simple enough. So then I'm like, okay, so I start sooner. And I still, I still like, it's really like, it's really just like that wall is still there. Like, I'm Beyonce in Hello. Yeah. The walls are broken. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so <laughs> the walls are not tumbling down, right? So, I do all of that. And then in second year, like, it really, like, was... And I was really, really, like, not in a good place. And I lost almost all of my DPs. Like, I wasn't I wasn't able to write any exams. I literally left before everyone. And I, do I even have... I think I still have the videos on Instagram. Remember those videos when you guys covered me to the bus? station no no i don't remember anyway so so um i lost all my dps and stuff and then i had to go home early but at least the 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 journ one i kept right Mm. and then then but the i was i don't know how i was able to write the exam because i hadn't even handed in the last assignment it was just like i was going down down like the hill Mm. was just it was crashing 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 yo it was going deeper and deeper my friend and then when it was like second, third year and I wasn't able to do uh, the specialization that I wanted to, but I was able to get back into the class. But then even that was even worse. And then I, I got into um, the relationship. Uh, imagine I was, I even found love, you know, I found love in a no, hopeless no, place. No. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so dead. Oh, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so then um I got into the relationship and we were both like at a very vulnerable place in our lives, I think, and we were very much like a crutch and it was like also another it was also just like another I didn't I, I don't know, I think it was hard, but it was also something else to focus on other than myself, I think, because this person was also in a in a in a very hard place in their lives. So I think we literally like fed off of like whatever this loneliness or this like like hole that we both were in, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was very much. I think it was kind of toxic. It was. It was really. T- I don't know. I mean, looking back, um, uh, I, I it was toxic because, and also I think a, a lot of the time we would say to you like, we don't think it's okay for you to be carrying someone when you are going through the most yourself and then on top of that you sort of retracted from everything so 
even when let's with the churn stuff with design um let's say you needed help but because you were in this space right you, you mm-hmm. didn't even like i don't i, I don't want to say care to yes i didn't i did or to ask for no but yeah but i i don't know mm. yeah yeah no I, i think you're right because i had i had so much of this person that was here i really didn't feel like i needed other people which is what i was about to say like i i felt like i was i was in that space again when i was a kid when i had to make do with what i had so that is what i had like that was the company that i had like i didn't have to make someone and that was a company that i had and like being intimate with someone and also i think because that was my first you know um experience and i think that also that kind of intimacy like it builds like a certain kind of closeness especially if it's like the first time that you've ever felt that and if you felt in if you feel it so strongly as well because remember i told you guys like i had never felt something like that obviously because i was a virgin but like i had never felt a connection like that with someone that i felt so strong and intrinsic like it was like we were like meshed you know so i think because of that i i didn't i didn't feel like i needed you're right i just i didn't feel like i needed other people i really didn't like i felt like i was enough and i felt it felt so good right and i think i felt somewhat validated as well like a lot so that happened and then i had to leave again and my mom was so sad and my mom was just like but also my mom was just like just come back home you know she was just she was like nice actually cuz i i was actually expecting her she actually wanted to come pick me up remember and i was like no it's fine cuz i had a car i had to drive up and stuff and even like and and like sometimes when you think about the things also like she was very sweet even the time when um remember i had to redo the i did the the journey exam again because i was able to do that and then i didn't get in still uh because i hadn't done the assignment that was literally the only reason why i wasn't getting it because i needed that that assignment push but it wasn't working right so then and she was like ah oh, can i come up and stuff so she was very nice and supportive right and she was just like yo girl what's the deal like are we doing this or not and stuff and so then i had to leave and it was so sad because i hadn't told anyone and it was again me not communicating and not knowing how to admit my vulnerability yeah like i was so scared of being vulnerable i had so much pride because even like even when i say like my first heartbreak with my friend like immediately after there was someone there to like pick me up you know khunti was there to like pick me up and like say to me like you're good enough and even i had my mom and stuff and whatever but like i always had there was always a way like There was always a way that I could sustain myself even if it was a little bit you know like even though I say like um even up because the friend left but I wasn't alone for too long too much for me to not be able to survive you know what I'm saying so then my mom was asking me like what is happening like this is not like you and she even thought I was pregnant oh my god it was like a lot like that was the second time someone thought I was pregnant um so then my mom was like Are you pregnant? What's wrong? Are you an alcoholic? Are you on drugs? <laughs> you know, like she was trying to find like what what it was and I was like and then she and I was like no, I'm not on any of those things. I I do drink, yes. And, and did I tell her about the weed? I don't think I told her about the weed. And then I was like I do drink, yes, but it's not that. I just don't know what is happening, you know, like I'm it's I can't explain it and I felt 
yeah i felt so inept like i felt like that was the first time in my life like i didn't have words for the way that i felt you know i didn't have words i couldn't i couldn't say like what is it that it is it was really boggling my mind i'm so thankful that even if it was like so late on i'm so thankful that i have words for my feelings now and i know what it is you know and i know how to recognize when i get into a dark place and when i need you know when i when i'm when i'm like in a depressive episode i even know now like what happens before it happens so that's very amazing and i think that's that 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 is the the greatest thing about therapy also is that like you say stuff that you think might not be important but every single thing is important because it's in your brain and there's a reason why it's there yes know. yeah so so just to go back yeah. to um the pregnancy chat um, <laughs> i yeah. know uh your there was a, a disappointment that happened mm-hmm. from this person that you were trying so hard to get validation from um oh yes do you care to explain yeah. that or i mean we don't have to yeah into it, but like, no no it's, it's it makes me laugh it's funny to me that one but no so so my father was like he 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 basically was not trying to pay for me to go back for the third year right um because my because of what happened because of the dps and stuff and i think that he was getting all the the things and so he apparently got it and so when i called him and stuff he apparently got it in his brain that apparently i'm pregnant and at the time i was a virgin right because remember the relationship was third year right yeah so at the time i was a virgin and i was like and i was very frustrated about being a virgin actually cuz i was in varsity for sometimes but it actually also shows like how in the gutter i was because i didn't even have time to socialize yeah, but still though i feel like <laughs> the things like that yeah. like, you know it's like when it should happen like sometimes you want to like fit in and i feel like things like virginity is not like yeah. on top of the list something you should, you should be trying to fit in with you know what i'm saying like that is actually yeah like, you know, it's a very yes relative very thing mm. it's a very youth subjective yes. <laughs> yes so yeah so then he was saying that uh i'm pregnant or whatever and i was like i'm not pregnant like and it's so weird like how you know these people be like how someone who doesn't know you they don't know what questions to ask he didn't know what questions to ask to say like what is happening you know he didn't know how to articulate to say like yo i'm paying the school fees and i mean he's he's within his rights i guess to say i'm paying the school fees and you're not doing your work what's the problem and i mean he could have actually said that in june because if he was the one paying his school fees and i had it i didn't realize until like later on when when i was in the relationship and this person told me that their father gets the results and i was like what so i didn't know that the person who pays the school fees because you put that person's address that they get your results in the mail but so he knew that these things were happening but he never called me to say yo what's happening mm. you know like it even disappointed me even more when i found that out i was like fuck this nigga like for real for real mm. fuck you to the grave my nigga like you are ancient like how dare you so then i go back and he's like um oh then he says that you're pregnant and then i had to have a whole like i had a whole thing and i had a whole 
And he's like, you don't even. Then we had a whole conversation. And he's like, you don't even call me. You only call me to ask me for money. Yo, I was just like, you know what, my nigga, this is just a lot for me. And that was the first time, like, not the first time. I've stood up to him a couple of times. But I'm, like, terrified of him. All the times when I stand up to him, it's always over the phone. Mm-hmm. And so then he's, like, doing the most. And I'm, like, um, first of all, he's, like, you only call me to ask me for money. So I dropped the phone and I sent him a message. And I was, like, the thing is that you can't you can't say that to me that I only call you when I ask you for money. Because I've always tried to foster a relationship between us. And you have always been the one who is not uh, forthcoming. I said, you have to realize that you're the father and I'm the child. I'm not supposed to be initiating a relationship mm-hmm. with you. That is not my responsibility. I didn't ask to be in this world. If you didn't want me, you could have told my mother to abort me. Like, I went all the way in, right? Like I do, like, because I'm a passionate person. And so when I feel very, when I feel upset, I will, like, dagger you until I'm done. Yeah. And so he was doing, and so I was just like, you are you are the reason our relationship is the way that it is you cannot ever ever blame me i've tried all my life and i've always hit a brick wall and so for you to tell me that the only time i call you when i ask you for money how dare you say that to me when you are the reason that that's the only thing that i can get from you and i said the only reason i ask you for money is because there's no way that you you have never given me love you know mm-hmm. currency so, like so then yeah, that's the only currency I have with you yeah. is and and it's it's even it's even goes back to the whole thing of the validation. That was also the only currency that I had was school. The only way I ever got his attention was when I said so many times I even lied to him to get money for school. Not so many times, one time, but like I lied to him and I said something about school. That was the only way I could get money. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the only way I could the only way I could even like see him or get gifts. The only gifts I ever got from my father were books. And I mean, I love books and stuff. And then maybe like a bicycle that one time when he was still trying, you know, because I was 10. And when once I started having my own opinions, I think he really realized that like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know. I think that once I started having my own opinions, maybe he didn't like me as much anymore. And it hurts me so much for me to feel like I had to be not myself for someone to like me that's supposedly supposed to love me unconditionally, you know? And so fucked up so he said i was pregnant and then and then that was literally the end of our relationship of us as even being on a on a basis where i could be like hi can i have something you know because after that he was just he cut me off because apparently i was a disrespectful person and he actually quote said to me one time i actually tried uh the next year after the third year they said i could come back and finish because i left on my own accord i wasn't kicked out of the school and I was like, okay, this is my fourth year. I will actually, and then I was actually ready at that time to like do it. And I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go and all of that shit. Now, and, and my mom had spoken, me and my mom had actually spoken about me getting therapy regularly and shit like that. Even though that was even also before um, diagnosis, but we clearly saw that there was a problem, right? That I had to have some kind of intervention from a professional. So my mom was like, I, I can't pay because my mom couldn't afford for her to pay and she felt some type of way. She was actually, no, not even she couldn't pay. She said to me, she's not going to pay because she doesn't want me to leave Joburg. She wanted me to be in her eye view. And I get it. I mean, she was trying to protect me. She was being overprotective. She's, yeah, she was worried, right? And she said, if you can get him to pay, I will, I will, I will gladly let you go back. And I was like, okay, cool. Because my whole thing was like, I don't want to be doing up and down, up and down. So at that time, she was saying I must go to film school, which actually was a good thing because now I have something else that I like to do. So, you know, nothing is ever a waste. So 
Then I called, then I, 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 I tried to get into contact with him and I said, can you please help me? I need to go back to Rhodes so I can finish my degree and I will finish in two years because I had already the two years of journey. I could like cram everything. I was going to do a BA. I wasn't going to do a BJ. Yeah. And then I would have come back and gone to VITS to do the mm-hmm. honors in journalism, mm-hmm. right? That was my plan, yeah. So I was like, I can just do my, I can just finish off my, my second year credits and my third year credits. I could do that in a year and a half even actually, you know? So then I said to him, please, can you do this for me? And then he said, quote unquote, he said, I do not talk to disrespectful people. And that is when I realized that, damn, this nigga don't give a shit about me. He even like put me in and I said, thank you for letting me know that I am a part of people. people. You know, you don't say yes, people, not even like, even just the whole thing, the whole thing was wrong. <laughs> you don't speak to your kid like that ever. The whole thing was just devoid of compassion, devoid of any kind of love, devoid of any kind of caring, of any kind of sense of responsibility to someone that you have created and put on this planet. Like he has no sense of responsibility towards me, which really like leads me to, to believe that he really has no cognizance of like, of feelings. Like he has, no understanding of the fact that like your concept your actions have like a, like they yeah. have feelings attached to other people you know they the the the, the consequences of your actions of- like there's reactions that they, yeah there's a reaction there's a feeling reaction that comes from the things that you do and especially to someone that you have a responsibility to care for mm-hmm. just to care for even in the bible they say you must care for your children you know like you have to be you have to you have to mold them he didn't even make me the person that i was and he doesn't even know he has he doesn't even have the pleasure of getting to know me as a person right yeah and yeah i am killing myself trying to find a reason or a way for me to get that love you know so it sounds i i felt like i was pathetic though i literally felt like i was such a pathetic person forever even feeling like this could be someone that i i could yeah, like, why and then that was the day. yeah that was the day that I hated him. That I started hating him, like for real. Like, and I and I don't think that I I will ever not hate him. You know, I I really do not. I don't like him at all because I feel like, at some point, and I and I and I know that some some people have like traumatic things that go through them, but I don't even know him well enough to know that there would be anything that could have happened to him in his life that would have led to him to be this kind of person. You know, there's nothing that I know about him that could ever excuse this. You know, this 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 blatant disregard for my existence, you know? It's so hurtful. And I'm so glad that I'm at this point in my life where like my eyes are getting like hot, but I'm not crying, which means like I am very much responsible now for like the yeah, you know, like I know now that this is hurtful to me, but it doesn't it won't deter me. Like I am okay with the fact that this is how it is. This is my reality, you know. Like my my therapist always says that like you have to live in the knowledge of what is happening right now. You cannot, like, that's why she says, like, you can't be thinking ahead for other people. Like, my dad said what he said. I can't now attach other feelings to that or whatever I want whatever I want, I want him to have said, whatever feeling that would have come from what I would have wanted him to say. I can't attach anything to his words other than what he said. Literally, he said he does not want to. He basically said, I don't fuck with whack bitches, <laughs> you know? 
and that is all that I could read into it. He said, I don't speak to disrespectful people and, and him calling. And, you know, and because he's a writer, he knew what effect that would have on me. I read a lot. I know being a people and not someone who is important to your life means that you are throwing me away. So I had to throw him away. I had to throw that motherfucker away. So now we are out of roads, right? We're out of roads, back at home. Um, do you think, I mean, because you went, you continued like um, city varsity vids, like there was um, still, you so adamant of still getting this degree, right? Do you think there was still like a sense of, denial of what was going on inside of you like do you think um you could have chilled for a little bit before you continued to like seek it um or because you weren't necessarily acknowledging your feelings you weren't owning your feelings um you went on this journey that um i mean i won't say it wasn't fruitful because i mean you learned a lot you met people um, everything happens in life for a reason. Um, but do you think, um, was it, yeah, for making sense? I could have gained a lot from a break. Yes, I really do think so now. Now that I'm like, I guess older, I feel like I probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken me until now, you know, to to be at the point where I'm finishing. I think, I feel like if I had taken a break and like maybe done, my mom was like, I should have taken a break and done like a short course, you know, something to do with writing, like a creative writing class or something. And I was just so adamant with like doing something that was going to add to my, my, my roster, I guess, like all my, my knowledge base, you know, I wanted to do something that was fruitful. So I, I felt like maybe if I do something that I, I felt like I wanted to do something that would earn me a, a job or something, because also I think I was also comparing myself a lot to my friends and like one of my best friends at the time, she had already had a job, you know, who like, she had already had a job and whatever, but also like her she also probably would have wanted her life to not have gone the way it had because she also had to do the things that she had to do out of circumstance you know so you know sometimes we, we i mean all the time we we think the grass is greener on the other side but it's really only greener because it's not your grass you know like because you don't know what goes into tending that grass you don't know like how many times they have to water that fucking shit for it to get that green you know what i'm saying so so I think I was comparing myself a lot also to my friends. I wanted to get to a place where I was like self-sustainable. I wanted to get to a place where I was actually like making money. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted, so I thought maybe if I did the, the, the film diploma that I would, um, I would be able to get a job. And then later on, maybe I would like ever go back to roads or I don't know what it was, but I, I think I was just like on this thing of like chasing something where as like, I didn't really want my, I didn't, I, I felt like I didn't want the validation from my dad ever again anymore. Like I, I told you, like, that's when I was like, okay, I'm signing out of this. Like, this is some bullshit. Like, Facebook gone. You know, like, I'm my space in this shit. I am obliterating it forever. So I was just like, so I think I just wanted to have a goal. I think I just wanted there to be an end in sight, you know? And then, then I realized that actually I probably should have taken a break and then I could have like gone to vids and then done the last two and like one and a half years and then I'll be done by now. But 
it happened. It all happened the way it was supposed to happen, I guess. You know, I was stubborn and that's, I am stubborn. I'm a stubborn person and that's what happened. But a break would have been great. I think a break would have actually given me so much time for me to like actually figure out for real, for real what I wanted to do, you know? Like I knew what I wanted to do, but like for real, for real, why I wanted to do it, you know? And looking back um, and now knowing um, your strengths um, with mental illness, how important is it to own your feelings, to acknowledge what's happening at the time, at the moment? Also, like, it's not so much, we don't have to always stretch, like, at the time, at the moment. I think even, like, um, um, looking back is fine, right? But, like, acknowledging your feelings is, like, a, a huge part of how you can be, of, of like, being self-aware you know and being self-aware is like the ultimate is like what we want right is for us to be self-aware and to understand how what what leads us to the points that what leads us to do the things that we don't want to do or the reactions that we don't like you know like maybe if you are someone who doesn't know how to take criticism you have to figure out why that is you know um what is the reason i mean we all don't like when people say but some people take criticism easier than other people because they understand that it's meant for them to grow or whatever right but like self-awareness helps you to understand why the traits that you might not like about yourself or the traits that are toxic to other people to the environments that you're around it literally helps you to be a better person like you need to be self-aware for you to be a better person for you to to be able to add like we're here in this world i don't think we're here in this world to be like for us to be a vacuum i'm not just here for myself right i'm here also as a person but we might have a purpose or something that we want to do in this life. And I say purpose in like quotation marks because not everyone has that the 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 privilege of self-actualization. You know, some people actually like their lives are literally slavery. You know, their lives are like in bondage. Yeah, their lives are literally in bondage to capitalism. Not even some people, most people in this earth like do not have the privilege of self-actualization and them to reach um, points where, like, this is such a privilege, us even talking about these kind of things and having these kinds of problems, but it doesn't diminish the fact that they are problems. Yeah, they are things that we should talk about. So I think, like, self-awareness and knowing and understanding your feelings help you to be a better person and help you to to also, like, maneuver and go around this world in a healthier way for the people around you, you know, like you are not in a vacuum, your actions and your reactions or whatever, like they affect the people around you and they affect like the, some people's lives affect the course of history. You know what I'm saying? Like a whole fucking Donald Trump, bruh, like is there in the white house because maybe of some little things that could have happened or could have been stopped. You know, I just feel like, I don't know, I'm talking about self-actualization, but like we are all, self-actualization is just about building who you are so that you can, you can be better. You know, who doesn't want to be better? Who doesn't want to uplift other people? Who doesn't want to, to, to be, to add in, to add something good to this world? You know what I'm saying? And it's not your, I mean, it's not your, you not, you don't have to do that shit, but if you want to, and if you want to live that kind of life, then I think you need to know 
how what makes you tick yeah mm-hmm. it's about what makes you tick and i think it's also good mm-hmm. um and even just speaking outside of mental health i think it's also good to acknowledge your feelings sometimes when it's happening mm-hmm. so if you're feeling yes. like overwhelmed if someone is asking you to do something and you feel overwhelmed about this instruction you should say no you know because not yeah yeah later you'll still feel overwhelmed you know and i mm. i find like that's a big thing for me um yeah i i like to i don't know um i like to be busy with multiple things at the same time um i, I think it's mm. a, a way of me distracting myself from a lot of things because i'm always constantly working like i wake up thinking about work i go to bed thinking about work um and a lot of the times i'm overwhelmed um i i i get anxious mm. a lot of the times um and instead of just saying no i can't do it i can't um it, i won't be able to give my best foot forward in this i continue mm. and then when it's like the day before i have like major burnouts <laughs> Anxiety. yes that, yeah that you could so I, I think it's important oh um just in general as well for people to just take in like you know the boundaries mm. um yeah this is what i can and cannot do and the more aware of it you are the more you practice it i think if that's the, the better decision yes makes it easier we need to practice mm. it more because i don't think we don't know yeah. what we don't like and what we can't take you know like your body mm-hmm. reacts to it immediately you'd be like oh my gosh no it's recognizing it yes. as it happens yes and then when now you still want to push through when it's just like it's not going to work out anyway no. like and it's not worth it exactly it's not worth it like at the end of the day like no there was nothing fruitful out of it for anyone hmm. and then just to talk a little bit about hospitalization what was that experience like for you and what led to that because there's a lot of people um because sometimes um and the reason why I'm asking this It's because sometimes um I had my mom's one friend, right? Um she would take herself into hospital when she like she felt overwhelmed, not okay, like super duper stressed, like her body like is actually reacting to the stress now. Like she would take herself in to hospital and a lot of people would be like, "Oh, sis has like um rich people problems she has the time to go take a break in hospital but like that whole process was like really important to her to get better you know so that's why I'm mm. this question like for you what what was the experience and what led to that Um so I was at Vitz at the time and I think I was going through the same things and I could and and because it luckily from that time so I mean the year when I was at City Varsity because I was only there for one year um I was diagnosed and I got so I which is also another thing that is a stark difference from the other two therapists that I went to was that I went to my GP 
and she and I explained this to her and she said and I said I feel very overwhelmed like I put too much pressure on myself and I need and, and it feels like nothing is ever good enough and I don't feel like I'm I am good enough and then she was like oh okay cool I'm going to because I thought my mom was like we need to find a therapist so let's go to the GP and then she said she just said you you probably have anxiety like that's what she said she said you probably have anxiety I'll I'll, I'll refer you to my friend and then I went to the friend covered by the medical aid thank god so i went to the friend and then same day she said it sounds like you have anxiety and depression like she literally just did the thing and she was like um i want to see you for a couple of bit before i want to see you for a couple of sessions before i i recommend any treatment or what not treatment but recommend any pills right so then i did that for a year so i went to the thingy then um, i think after four times she said it sounds like you really do have this and you've been suffering from it for so long because she did the whole thing she did like my whole background she asked me about when i was a kid the, the smaller the when i was young what i could remember as a child all the things she had a session with my mom she even wanted to have a session with my brother like she wanted to be all-encompassing of my my life right she needed to have a session with my dad my dad obviously didn't do it which only fueled my hate for him even more because i realized even every time in jay every step of this mental health journey i realized that this nigga don't give a shit about me and i have to like let it go i have to be elsa up in this bitch and let that bitch go frozen right so then yeah so then he was like so so then we did that and then i did that for like a year and then i was at bits and i was just i was gonna have a breakdown again i could literally like feel it and i was like i'm not doing my assignments my assignment is like a week late or whatever and then she was like she was like okay girl um you gotta go in because this is like not working or whatever and so she was like because I, I, I had I had started taking pills. So she recommended I take pills for a whole year. And I took the pills for a whole year. And there was like no change. And so um, there was no change. Obviously, like I was, I was, it wasn't working for me, you know. So then I had to, so then she said, clearly this is not working. And if it doesn't work, the pills for the year, we low-key, we have to like admit you into hospital. So I was like, what? I was like, girl, is that necessary? <laughs> like, you know? So, and that's at the hospital is where we have the, the, the session. So I was like, is that necessary? And she was like, yeah, it is. Like, we have to. So then um, my brother was getting married that week. Um, the weekend before I was supposed to go in. So I had seen her on Thursday. And I didn't tell anyone. Again, doing my whole thing. Because I was like, I ha- I'm going to have to tell them. But I don't want to tell them now. And I also don't think I wanted to deal with it at the time. Like, this is the course of action that we're going to do. So she, she said, what are you going to do? And I was like, okay, please, can you call the hospital? Let's do it for Monday. Because my brother's getting married this weekend. And I can't I can't do it. You know, I can't leave tomorrow. Because she was like, same time. But then she was like, there's no space this weekend. So then I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, Monday would have to be the day. And then she was like, yes, we'll have to find out Monday. Maybe someone is leaving on Monday or whatever. If it's not Monday, it's Tuesday. But it's as soon as possible, we have to get you in. I was like, cool. Then um, brother gets married. And then, so now it's Sunday. Still, I still haven't told anyone. I didn't even tell my friends. Like, the whole time. And I was like, even there was a time, I was like, on edge. Like, there was a time when I shouted at Hooch, and even Hooch knows, like, I don't be shouting at her, like, and everyone was like, why are you so mean, or whatever, and I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I had to be like, uh, I was really like Tina, I was like, uh, 
then Monday I woke up and I went to my mom's room and I was like ma the the psychiatrist says that I have to go to the hospital because I'm not getting better and she was like oh she was so sweet Jim. she and then I started crying again I'm not sitting by the door and she said come here and she gave me a hug and it was like it was really a great moment it was really very nice you know and then I went to the hospital but I will say that I was again very much afraid and I was like I only thought that you had to, I thought you had to be like visibly like mentally ill for you to be in the hospital but then i realized that like these are also like the misrepresentations of like mental health yes. and like we all think that it has to be like this like ridiculous and some and not ridiculous but this this like exaggerated person lying in the bath with the hands both slit you know like you have to be going through the most egregious things for you to land up in hospital and stuff and sometimes like it's even that little that fight in your mind is enough you know that that little you not being able to cope that is fucking enough even if you start like feeling like you are you even if you don't relapse like as a as a if you're in a recovering drug addict if you're not relapsing but you feel the relapse coming on that is reason enough because your brain is so fucking important to you like being a normal human being and functioning bra like if you're not okay like mentally like so much shit like breaks down it all just it's really just not okay you yes. know and yeah so my experience in the hospital actually was really a really really good experience like i had never been in a place where it was okay for me to be outwardly vulnerable you know like and it's and around so many people who really like at my issues that at some point i really felt like oh my god like people feel just the same way i do people have anxieties that i do like it was it was oh, it was not eye opening i mean i had seen though that people do there are people who have anxiety and depression and all of that shit right mm. but like actually being around other people who who are going through not the same thing but we're all going through a similar thing in life was really really like it was comforting and it was it was very comforting it was very and i felt it made me feel more open and more comfortable with my vulnerability and okay with the fact that like it is part of being a human being it's okay to let your guard down it's okay for you to not be okay you know what i'm saying like and and for you to reach that place where you will be okay is for you to go through the fucking go over those speed bumps bro like there's no way you're going to reach the utopia unless you go through all of that fucked up shit you know or you 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 process it yeah yeah i did the work like i had to process all of my shit and my feelings and i realized that like i my 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 not wanting to try was mostly out of fear but also was because i didn't want to fail you know i didn't want to try because i didn't want to fail and the fact that i don't want to fail is a bad thing is like because failure is a part of life failure is is growth you know and i was i was not accepting my own growth i was stopping myself from growing and becoming better yeah. and yeah it was it was one of the best experiences remember when i left i was like wow that was one of the best experiences i've ever had in my whole life yeah i also think like um just um going into a, an environment like that is a good place to like reset you know there's not like a mm. lot of outside pressures 
that you're thinking about mm. and like how you said you with other people as well who are somewhat going through the same thing so even if you like go through something while you're there you have people to talk to who need yeah. more than like your best friend probably yeah. you know Yes. Yes, yes. Most definitely. Yeah. Like that it's very important and people shouldn't feel like um it's the loony bin or you know mm. like it's well, yeah, the stigmatizing of it. Yes, if you need it go like you go. don't, don't yeah. deny. Don't deny what's going on. Like we keep I feel like we keep saying the same thing like don't deny what's going on because it becomes like a bigger pile. at the end of the day you know mm. so and then yeah. um you touch a little bit with um your mother going and her saying that mm. she could help you more with um mm. your your mental health how were your relationships with your family members pertaining your mental health like in juxtaposition to that um i mean my mom was obviously very very um very supportive. Nah, she was always coming and stuff. But I think she she felt awkward at some point. Like I think she thought that I was only going to be there for one week and then it's it ended up being 3 weeks. And she was very worried about like my school stuff and whatever and I mean like I'm at a hospital so school can wait, you know. Um but she was she really felt like she didn't think i needed that much help and it, i think when it dawned on her that i had to stay every time when they said i'd stay another week she was like i think she she really like the realizations like it set in on her like and her face like was getting re- like visibly like le- more not disappointed but like mm, yes. down you like know it's, it was sinking in like the the gravity it was sinking in oh, the gravity of the situation yeah. was sinking in yeah and i think before that she didn't realize that i was like proper proper because my mom is like a christian and you know sometimes christians really think that god can help with everything and i mean if that's how you feel that's how you feel but um i don't believe in god like that so i mean i do believe in divine intervention or whatever like there's this shit out there and that we can be fully enlightened and all that shit whatever chakras alhamdulillah you know erica and stuff but what but like but <laughs> but i i don't i don't like believe i don't believe that those things happen again in a vacuum i think that we also have to put in that work so that should but even in the bible it says god helps those who help themselves yeah. so my mom really thought that like i just needed to reset like you said like your mom's friend like she thought i needed to reset and like and because we talk about our feelings all the time like all of the classes there about your feelings there's yoga there's like um what arts all of that shit you know you talk about your feelings you're in there you like you know doing the most and so she was like um thinking that that's all that it was going to be and like when it started sinking in she was just like yo this is so serious hey like home girl is like really really sick and and god is not going to like god is not going to help me yes only like i need yeah more. i need to like take pills i need i need more than just god and and i think also as a mom especially as a mom like my mom who's very involved in my life like i like you say like remember how we were talking about how she's always like rescuing me literally my mom is always rescuing my brother and i so 
she's like Captain Saver, a kid, you know. So, um, she, I think she felt like, whoa, this is the first time that she couldn't be the one to help me. And it was really like a weird space for her to be in. I think she felt very un, unuseful. Is that a word? Useless. She felt useless. Yeah, she felt useless in that situation, and 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 I and I wish like I was I was more understanding because I also felt a bit frustrated with her, because I felt like she because I I felt like she was making it about herself, but I think she was just like reacting how she would react anyway because she felt like, damn, I brought you on this earth and I can't even help you navigate it, so why am I here, you know, so, so I mean I I wish at this point I wish I had been more compassionate to say to her don't don't internalize it that much like it's not your fault like we're both going through this at the same time like I'm going through what I'm going through and you're going through what you're going through but we have each other and and I wish I had like the words to just say I just want you to be here you know because that's all I wanted I just wanted her to be there it was so great to see her every day every day my mom came like literally when she couldn't come she would call me or you know like it was like a, it was a, a, like very much a valiant effort like she really made an effort to be there for me even when she felt uncomfortable being there like there would be times when when I'd be like what's wrong and she would be so uncomfortable because she didn't she was like I don't know what to say you know and mm -hmm. I felt like that was like I felt so bad because she was like I don't want to say because I don't want to upset you and I was like nah like that's the whole reason why I'm here is so that I can handle the, the regular stresses of life. The reason why I'm here is because I don't know how to to deal with the things. I have to figure... And then that's what they said. They said, we're here to teach you how to navigate your feelings, how to navigate how you're feeling and how to navigate that within the world because the world is not going to stop because you ha have anxiety. The world literally is not going to stop because I can't breathe. You know what I'm saying? Like... The world is going to carry on. I also have to learn to put myself together within that. And I also have to learn to be kinder to myself, you know. And so I wish I had been a little bit kinder to both of us, to our relationship, you know. To tell her that, that this, this doesn't diminish our closeness. This doesn't diminish the fact that you will always be there for me. Like, it doesn't diminish that you are that bitch, you know. Yeah. It's just that this is something I have to do on my own. Yes. Yes. yes something. It's a process that you mm. have to. I have to. Yes. Yeah. It's about me, you know, and you can be there as a spectator support. and I can, I can and support and I can like bounce shit off of you. But at the end of the day, this is, it's me, you know, Yes. it's about me. And then, Talking mm -hmm. about your doctors, um, are your doctors mm -hmm. black ladies, um, but are your therapist mm -hmm. and your psychiatrist? And if so, yeah. how hard was it to find like the right black woman for you? Are there even enough black women out there to be like, you found the right one for you? Or it was just like, these are the people that are available? Um, you know, it was, I was very lucky. And I think that like, maybe that's the God, <laughs> that's like the divinity, you know, like he threw me a bone <laughs> because like, um, because you know how many people struggle to find the right therapist or the right psychiatrist at the time? Like I had, I've never from both of them, I've never felt like 
I wasn't listened to. I've never felt like, okay, let me tell you the process of finding them. Like I said, my TP led me to um, my psychiatrist. And then the psychiatrist, then when I, once I got in, so I was, do, I was seeing the psychiatrist like once a month. And once I got into the hospital, they automatically assign you a, they assign you like what you need. So um, because that, that, at that facility, they, they are also um, um, drug uh, addiction, addiction patients, not just drug, addiction patients as well. So we're all like in different spaces. So then they assign everyone what they need. So they'll assign you, you'll have a psychiatrist who is the one who administers your medication and stuff. And then you'll have like a day-to-day, someone who sees you more often, a, a therapist, right? A psychologist. And then sometimes if some people need, like maybe if you need like, um, maybe there's like situations, you know, people get into situations where maybe they'd need documents and shit like that, or they'd need like some kind of family intervention. Then you have uh, maybe a family psychologist or you'll have like a social worker that will work with you and at that facility because there was also a lot of young kids there was social workers that were assigned to kids as well so very like comprehensive kind of shit like very every aspect of your of your being you know that can so like trying to help every part of you so that like we did hiv tests everything like so they do all the blood tests and shit like proper hospitals so that we we, we know everything in the beginning for us to embark on this journey for so that they can help you in the right way so anyway so then i got the the the, the psychologist and everything so i had a, the then so the psychologist that i got was the one that works with my psychiatrist and i was lucky like i said god gave me like he threw me a bone in in that i didn't have to suffer because a lot of the people that i was with were like struggling a lot with the the psychologist or the psychiatrist and they didn't like them and i would always say you have to say something i liked my psychiatrist from the beginning she was always very compassionate to me always very understanding it was like she like understood me from the get-go um she wasn't judgmental i've never felt like i was judged by any of them actually like and 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 they're kind of very like not very but they're kind of conservative people but they like always are so ready to hear about my life never judgmental about my sex life Mm -hmm. actually and you'll find like you know black a lot of all the black women are very like oh you hoe but like my 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 psychologist loves the fact that i'm a hoe like she she be like and she's the one time like i was talking to her and she was like and i was like i haven't had sex in so long she's like what (laughs) (laughs) so what do you mean you and i was like yeah girl and so so they basically like support my personality basically you know what i'm saying like they do not try to make me want to be someone else they want me to be who i am and like but mentally healthy you know so even in the when i speak about my relationships and stuff like always giving me not new perspective but like always making me look at things in a different way and realizing that shem sometimes and it's always in such a compassionate way sometimes i am the problem you know there's like this reddit thing that says are you the asshole like some am i the asshole aita i am sometimes i am the asshole but she doesn't let she doesn't tell it to me like how my mom would say like how will you be ridiculous you mm-hmm. know but like in a compassionate way because not because i'm paying you but because you're a psychologist psychiatrist psychologist so my process and, and them i really love them they're so amazing and it was easy to find them and they were, and they're great. Like, they really are great. Every time I, I leave therapy, I feel so much better. Whether it's I, whether I was with my psychiatrist or my psychologist, even though I cry a lot, 
I always feel much better because I feel like I got something out of it. Mm, that's good. That's good because I know a lot of people struggle to find black um therapist or psychiatrist and even if they mm. do maybe like they're a little bit more expensive um mm. than like the average white lady who's because i feel like at the end of the day the white lady is still not going to service you honestly i don't as in the best way yeah right? even though he she cheaper um <laughs> still mm. won't service you you know um so i think it's very important um for people to try find um someone who works for them you know um mm-hmm. and lastly my friend yeah how mm-hmm. what are some of the tools that you use on a daily basis to keep you going um definitely uh, i write my in my journal a lot i always have a journal every time i get into a shop that buys sells journals i buy a new one because you can never have enough because there's too many feelings inside um i journal i listen to a lot of music mina i mean now i don't need to um because my time to take pills has lapsed i took after being at the hospital i had to take pills for like two years so now what helps me keep in check is going to therapy i have to go more often but because like you know millennial struggles like i can only afford to go to a certain amount of them a year i'm not um yeah a year so i space them out you know my therapy session so i i should be doing twice a month but i usually do once a month so but right now during covid i haven't contacted my therapist but i know that she does skype calls but i haven't i haven't done that yet and i think i should because i'm very bad though you know me my friend though i'm very bad with like i'm a procrastinator of notes um so so i don't i so sometimes i fall into this trap like when i feel better like i don't continue like the therapy but i'm supposed to be doing therapy at least once a month um uh i listen to a lot of music music is very stimulating and it's great and i also try always to be i think also trying to be compassionate and nicer to people helps me also be compassionate and nicer to myself because i understand that i am a human being i think also constantly being in a place where you give yourself a break hey like I don't I'm not so hard on myself because I understand that my feelings are very important to how I will be able to do anything you know what I'm saying as someone who has mental health problems I have to always take my feelings into um into um what is it into account so I'm very much also low key selfish about that as well like I I am very protective of how I feel um because i know that it's a make or break for me you know what i'm saying yeah so that's what i do like i try my best to be cognizant like we were saying self aware and cognizant of my feelings and to give them a name you know it's very great it's always great for you to give you your feelings a name and like why they they i always try and break down like why i'm there and also i talk to my friends a lot you guys help me um especially you like you I always talk to you about like am I overreacting <laughs> uh am I the asshole yeah so i think also like sharing yourself and not being so closed off i try to be 
more open. You know, I hate phone calls and shit like that. So I try to talk to people more often because it does make me feel better. It does help me keep in check. And also, I'm trying more often to to share my feelings when I'm not feeling good um, because I don't want to get back to that place where, you know, people had to knock on my raised door five days in a row, you know. And so, bitch, you better get out. You remember Lele to the one time when he was like, he was like, I'm tired of you. Get out of this room. You know, yeah. so it's always great to have people who care enough about you. Those are the things that I love also is that um, I was, I'm lucky enough to have people like you guys around, people who hold me accountable to myself as well, more especially like, and to say like, and you guys are not, it's not like you, you push me to share or whatever. You give me space, but like at some point someone does have to nudge you, you know. Like you said, it's so important when you start feeling some type of way to speak to someone about it, mm. you know, like have mm. a, someone, to recognize. Yes, have someone that you have an open line with. They won't judge you, mm. um, especially for if you can't afford therapy or you know, yeah. counseling, um, mm. professional help. Let me put it like that. If you can't afford professional help, I think it's important to have that one friend, that one person in the family, um, adult, cousin, sister, best friend, to be able to talk to. to yes, because I think talking yeah. is like half of the work, you know, like. Just, yeah, it's letting it out is half of the work, yeah. It's getting it out. Yeah, getting it out there and it helps you give it a name. Mm. And like I said, like naming your feelings is very important because you because now you it's recognizable. It's a recognizable feeling and something that you know, okay, X, Y, and Z leads me to this kind of pain or this kind of um, anger or whatever, you know. So yeah. Oh my queen! That's how I feel. Thank you so much for sharing mm. your story. You're welcome. I hope that people don't. You see, now I'm getting so much anxiety. I'm like, oh, the people are going to judge me. No, no. <laughs> but it's okay. How you it's said, okay. like, when you were um, in the hospital, there was like a whole community. Now, just imagine how many yeah. other people are walking around without a sense of community and having these feelings, you know? I think that's the whole yeah. point of this podcast relatability create a safe space a community where we can talk about these things freely and open you know like because you're not going through this you're not the only one going through this like what you are not the only one going through this so don't be anxious i think people are going to appreciate it more than what you think yes and i wanted to add also like um finding them i also wanted yes i wanted to add like it's also it's important like value that people must be relatable to you but it was also i feel like we need to also um drum in that like it's not sometimes black people are also like agents of oppression in that like they can be which is why i emphasize on the fact that like my 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 therapist and my psychiatrist don't judge Mm. me um because i'd be a hoe right they don't judge me and you know how like all the black women have this like very respectability about them like you you hold yes this whole purity culture fucking thing of like you have to have to have one partner whatever whatever bullshit you know and 
So I wanted to add, I hope you can put it into the the, the, the question yes. part that like it's important for them to be black, right? But black people themselves are also can also be bigoted. And so I feel like we have to also there has to be a call for more black queer um therapists. Okay. More black queer therapists. You know, yeah, you know, we need more black queer therapists or people who understand that they are gay people, they are trans people. Because so many people who are gay and trans have um trauma from those from 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 the experience of of people putting their identity those particular identities down mm. not because they're black you know not because of anything else just because specifically i'm fighting at work because they will not um they will not respect my my gender identity they will not re- or they'll keep calling me she when i have specifically said that i am he you know what yes. i'm saying that is that is like um that is traumatic. That is a traumatic thing that could be a reason why you're in therapy. So now you go to therapy, and then you have someone who tells you, "But that that, that doesn't ex- exactly." You know what I'm saying? So we need people who are who are, have sensitivities, like not sensitivities, but people who are not bigots. We just need less bigots, and we need just representation across the board of different kinds of people and affordability. Man, it's not fair that you can find a cheaper white therapist than you can a black one. It fucking isn't fair. It really is not cool. Thanks so much, Willie, again, for sharing with us. I think everyone in in the Ugly Girls Club community have learned so much from you and your story. I also learned um, quite a bit. And thanks again for being vulnerable and sharing. I know it's hard. It's hard for me for the first three episodes, but here we are. <laughs> um, so for this week, I thought it would be really cool um, for me to post some tips on how you can deal um, with mental health during um, COVID time. I've been, I'm going to partner up with Ulebu Motuatua. She was on our third episode where we spoke about colorism. She's also a mental health activist. She has her own podcast um, speaking about her own processes with mental health, um, mental health called brilliance disordered on spotify so please do check her out so this whole week for about six days i think of the week like monday to saturday we're going to be putting up tips um on how to make sure you're staying healthy you're staying mentally fit during this time and these tips can also be used outside of covid um the covid time you know just in general to make sure um, you stay mentally fit, yes. And then my Instagram account is Nuko underscore M N I K H O underscore M. So follow my Instagram or just stalk my stories um, during the week, and you'll find the different tips um, that we will be putting up and discussing on. Um, on and around mental health um thanks so much for listening thanks to the new listeners who have joined us this week thank you so much please do subscribe like and share the podcast uh if you are a regular you already know we are available on spotify apple podcast and iowanofm if you subscribe you get notifications that there's a new podcast you know, and sometimes I upload a little bit early so you can have like 
you know, sneak peek before everyone else when I advertise it on the Monday. But Monday is usually the day that we have the podcast up. Thank you again for listening and being part of the Ugly Girls family. Until next time, and stay safe during COVID.